FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to a special flashback episode of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason, the big wet Venable, and I'm joined by special guest, Jack. My results are as impressive as my hardware, Chambers. Hey, Jack. That's the best <laughs> nickname I think I've ever heard. And uh, as we were just talking about before the show, I am a man of science, so <laughs> yes. my results are as impressive as my hardware. And I'll just go on record as saying your <laughs> hardware is pretty impressive. <laughs> Um, for, for anybody out there who listens to the show who saw me in my spandex outfit at Thought Bubble, <laughs> you can be fully aware of my hardware, and I'm right. sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. So, um, Jack uh, is coming on with us to talk about a uh, 1987 miniseries. Um, I, you know, Jack just really, he sent me an email and just begged and said, Hey, I know Dr. Doom's coming back on your podcast soon. Please, please, please let me do it. And I was like, fine. And um, <laughs> I was like, Jason, last time we talked about this really crazy 80s thing featuring Dr. Doom being completely mental. Because right. we talked about Secret Wars last time. Yeah. And I was like, well, there must be something else, Jason. We, we need to, every time we talk, it has to be about a Dr. Doom <laughs> themed miniseries from the right. 80s. That's the rules. That's the rule. We, we never talk... We, we're not friends outside of the show, folks. I'm sorry to break the fourth wall here. Right, we don't right. actually like each other. We're just forced yep. to discuss any time Doctor Doom does something even vaguely villainous with the X-Men. Yeah. That's the rules. No, I, I generally try to Twitter punch you every chance I get. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like an equivalent of a Facebook poke? from like, Which is yes. a joke from like 2005. Right. Very topical. <laughs> Says the man talking about a comic from 1987. Oh, yeah, uh, touche. <laughs> anyway, no, yeah. What, what are we actually talking about, Jason? We're going to talk about the uh, 1987 miniseries Fantastic Four versus the X-Men. It's uh, four issues and came out in the, about the beginning of 87, you know, maybe towards the middle. I was a little curious about the timing of this. Um, you know, I've been reading, as we've been going through uh, the various flashbacks, I've been reading a lot of my other Marvel comics that kind of parallel. And actually, one thing, I found a chunk of these at Half Price Books. was very happy. And I filled in the rest via eBay. But I um, actually very recently just read, for the first time, the John Byrne Fantastic Four run. Oh, fantastic. Which is pretty, fan yeah, fantastic. <laughs> um, but I was curious because I have a couple of issues after he leaves. And I, I, I don't know how sales went, but the quality of that, of that book fell off pretty quick after he left. Like it kind of went into a little slump immediately following his departure. And this is not long after that. And just with the rising stock that was the X-Men, I was a little surprised that Fantastic Four got top billing. Um, yeah, it's you have a any weird thoughts time, on that? isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that I guess that this is more so a Fantastic Four story than yes. an X-Men story, yeah, that's I probably guess. True. Um, but then in the same way, you that doesn't necessarily 
denote who's going to get top billing in in a in a film or in a comic book series. Like you've got Batman versus Superman, which is a sequel to Man of Steel, <laughs> which was a Superman thing. But is it more? It's apparently it's more of a Batman film, but we don't know. So I guess going into this, you think, oh, it must be fantastic for more of a Fantastic Four story. Right. But it's Claremont. You you would think that it would be his X Men featuring the Fantastic Four because right. uh, more than anyone else, the writer that defined X Men a hundred times more than literally anyone else who's ever written the X Men, <laughs> Mister X Men, right, is Chris Claremont. Oh, definitely, without a doubt, definitely. And I mean. <laughs> Funnily enough, this is we're still in the Jim Shooter era of Marvel as well, um, <laughs> which is something we discussed ad nauseum on the Secret Wars right, show we did, right. which was ended up being a good three hours and forty five minutes long, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> don't worry, listeners, we'll try and keep this one a little bit more succinct. Yes, um, yeah. we'll aim for like three twenty five. I think Jason, right? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's an interesting time in Marvel. It's, as it states on the cover, it's the 25th anniversary of the company as well. Right, yeah. Um, which is an interesting time. And I guess that's, do you, do you know the particular reason of what brought this this story on? Is that kind of just kind of like, oh, it's a dream matchup. It's the 25th anniversary. Let's throw the two kind of big Marvel teams together and see what happens. I think so, because I think for both teams, there's kind of one, I mean, there's a lot that goes on maybe, but there's kind of, each team has kind of one big crux to the story. Yeah. And I feel like either of those could have been done separately in their own magazines. It's interesting, yeah. It's, it's weird that it is, um, I, mean, I guess you can call it a crossover, but the books themselves did not cross over. Like right. the, the currently running series, which... I miss these days where they didn't cross over with everything because as <laughs> we've discussed before, Jason, and as I'm sure many of the listeners know, modern comics, if something is a crossover, you suddenly get a bunch of tie-ins and it interrupts right. all your usual monthly books and it all goes horribly wrong. Right. But this didn't do that. It's just a totally separate miniseries that is an event or a crossover or whatever you want to call it. But then, like you said, this could almost play out as here's a Fantastic Four story, here's an X-Man story and just completely separately. You just swap some of the characters. You don't necessarily <laughs> have to have, I'm sorry to tell you, uh, host of the Snickcast, you don't need to have Wolverine in this story. <laughs> I'm sorry to break your heart, but <laughs> you, and that could be anybody in that in that role, pretty right. much. And people like She-Hulk just show up, and it's like this really weird kind of mashup of a bunch of X-Men characters right. for seemingly no... Like Rogue is just there just hanging out yeah for a few pages <laughs> right. <like>, okay <laughs> well, did, well did, speaking of that let me um let me catch all our flashback listeners up to speed a little bit because this this series chronologically kind of weaves in and out of what's going on in uncanny x-men absolutely but i didn't want to have jack come on and do like one issue and be like okay well that's good i'll talk about the rest later so I wanted to do the series as kind of one chunk, but it kind of weaves in and out of what's going on with Uncanny. So in upcoming flashback episodes, for example, we'll talk about... So the last thing we saw was Wolverine was hanging out with Spider-Man and that thing that we just talked about uh, last episode. And then also, or whenever, I don't know when this has come out, but in the last few episodes, um, 
But the X-Men also have all been on Muir Island helping Kitty and Nightcrawler and Colossus recover from the Marauder and from the Mutant Massacre. And so um, Storm and Wolverine had stayed behind in New York, and in this story, they're already back on Muir Island. And so there will be a little bit, kind of, how they got there that we'll cover again later. But for now, just know that everyone's back together on Muir Island, and that's kind of all you need to know at this point. As far as the Fantastic Four, Thing has just come back from Battleworld very recently and rejoined the Fantastic Four. And She-Hulk, who had taken his place for a long time during the John Byrne run, um, the aforementioned John Byrne run, she has gone back to the Avengers, but I guess she was hanging around, so she's in this story too. But anyway, that's kind of where everybody's coming from. Yeah, it was the weird kind of... She Hulk really threw me off. I was so <laughs> expecting her to just show up and be like, "Oh, right, okay, sure." Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the first issue is titled "Are You Sure?" <laughs> and we have to raise our voice at the end because there's a question mark and an exclamation point. I, uh, I wish they'd gone the whole hog and gone for the the com- combination in Terabang, which is my absolute favorite piece of punctuation. <laughs> Are you aware of the Interrobang, Jason? Are you I aware of don't think the joys of the Interrobang? No. Oh, it, not only is it really satisfying to say, it's both a question mark and an exclamation mark in one thing, and it's the most satisfying thing to so just have, have in a sentence. So it's like a seven with a dot under it. Kind of. I mean, it's literally if you had a question mark and then put a exclamation mark. To the, to the left of it. Oh, so, so it, you ha- it's kind of like a like a P with a dot underneath it. Almost. Okay, okay, cool. But yeah, it's it's an amazing thing, and it also describes them as separate, no matter which order they're in. So yeah, are you <laughs> sure in Terrabang? Which, which just 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 caps it off beautifully for me. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> well, this is going to be written by Chris Claremont. With pencils by John Bogdanov, maybe? Uh, Terry Austin is the inker. Tom Orzakowski is the letterer. And then we have our regular X-Men colorist, Glennis Oliver, does the colors. Bog, Bog as we'll call him. Because <laughs> I don't feel like trying to butcher John his Bog. name again. Yeah, John Bog. Um, also does the cover. And uh, we have a pretty interesting cover. Uh, there's some, like, fire in the background. And Wolverine's in the background, and, and of course, usually word balloons on the cover is not a good idea, but we have kind of a menacing Wolverine walking on his tiptoes with his claws out, and he's like, you destroyed the FF, Richards, now I'll destroy you. And we have uh, Dr. Doom, but he takes his mask off, and it's Reed Richards, and he's got Do- a little... Dr. Richards or Reed Doom? Which one do you prefer? Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I guess he is a Dr. Richards by... Reed Richards is a doctor, so right. he has a PhD, so I guess he'd have to be Reed Doom. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently he's a big boy because he's uh, pointing and laughing at Franklin Richards, who is crying uh, with his space boots. And um, Sue is on the ground, bloodied. And yeah, so Jack, and if you don't know, that's okay, but I, I definitely don't know. My Fantastic Four knowledge prior to John Burns' run is mostly non-existent. 
And I know they're orange, and obviously everybody does. But as far as actual story beats, is this kind of the first hint at, like, a re-Doctor Doom mashup being? Because I feel like that's been done several times in the last couple of decades, but I didn't know by now has this been like a really new thing or is this something that's kind of hinting at the past? Do you know? I don't, unfortunately. No, okay. no. I, I'm, I'm not a huge Fantastic Four uh, buff. I, I know the Hickman run is, is kind right. of my go-to run and pretty perfect example of some evil Reed Richards action right there, which is what <laughs> made me fall in love with the character. He's one of my absolute favorite Marvel characters. For, right, and that's kind of why I thought of you to come on for this one because I knew you. Yeah, yeah, but that, that unfortunately that entirely pretty much entirely stems from Hickman's run <laughs> and, and seeing evil ultimate Reed and all that sort of stuff. Right. The, the council of evil reads or whatever the hell they're called. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, I don't brush up on classic Marvel stuff as much as I feel I should. Okay. There's so much, there's so much classic Marvel stuff I haven't read. Uh, and you'll be, you and Dan and we'll both be very upset that I haven't read so much of the classic X-Men stuff. <gasps> um, I've read the obvious ones, right? Like, Dark Phoenix, and uh, we, we've read a few on on the Intercomics podcast as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, my, my classic knowledge of Marvel is is severely lacking. I know more about classic DC than I know about classic Marvel. So we're kind of opposites in that regard. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much. Most of my DC knowledge, other than what I've read in the last few years, like is nineteen ninety up. <laughs> <laughs> so like anything before like the first Crisis. I, that everyone either gets upset or loves or whatever that that polarizing event I I know literally nothing about. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was I oh, I know what I was gonna say. So if you've never read the Brood Saga, I'm I'm aware of the Brood Saga. Okay, that that's must read. So yes, yeah, when we I've get done told. here, go wherever you get your stuff and 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 read that. <laughs> That's one of my favorite X-Men stories ever. So, And, of course, we've also covered it on the podcast way back in the day, so there's there's that. Um, so let's do kind of the short version of this issue. Yeah, absolutely. So Franklin Richards has a nightmare that Reed kills the FF and the X-Men and becomes one with Doctor Doom, um, metaphysically, not sexually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is particularly troublesome since Franklin's powers are to dream about the future. Obviously unable to sleep, Franklin uh, seeks out his parents after he wakes up. Sue has him help unpack some crates where they find Reed's college journal, which is actually also the totem of Franklin's dream. So this freaks him out a little bit. Um, Magneto reaches out to the Fantastic Four to help with Shadowcat, who is permanently phased in Muir Island after the Mutant Massacre. Uh, the FF with She-Hulk in place of Sue fly with Magneto to Scotland. En route, Ben tells Reed that he is scientifically certain and almost always right, except for that one time he didn't know about the cosmic rays and endangered the space flight. <laughs> the, by the way, that's the one that created the Fantastic Four, in case you don't know. So this fills Reed's head and heart with doubt. Reed determines when they get there that Kitty is too far gone. This doesn't sit well with Mags and Wolvie, who threatens Reed with his claws. So that's that's pretty much the first issue. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's Wolverine getting pissed off and beating up the Fantastic Four right at the very end. <laughs> right, right. 
that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any uh any highlights you wanna that I glossed over in that summer you'd like to talk about? I mean, right at the very end, I I, I love the line. So you savor, bub, or you die. <laughs> like that's a great. That's such a Wolverine thing to say. Right. Um, I love Magneto's arbitrary powers of just beams of stuff <laughs> coming out of his hands. That's do they know that's not how magnets work? Like. You don't get a beam of magnetism. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but yeah, we, we can't start questioning superhero powers at this point. Um, right. I will give a quick shout out to the unfortunately now missing Reed Richards' pipe, which is oh, one of my absolutely yeah. favourite things. And that scene—that's where we get a really good, uh, really good um, glance at Reed, the workaholic asshole. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I don't have time for my son. <laughs> Go find your mom. Yeah. Daddy's busy. <laughs> the particular highlights for me are how well, and this this is definitely a theme throughout the series, how well Bogdanov does Reed Richards' stretching. I love yes. the way he really exaggerates all his weird movements and like he crosses his arms at points because why wouldn't he? It doesn't make a difference to him. He can reach anything anywhere, so why wouldn't he cross his arm sort of thing? And I, right. I love the way he does the the stretching and, and the sort of display of Reed's powers. Right. It's definitely stretching for the sake of stretching. Oh, I mean, yeah, when, you, totally when you're an artist and you're like, hey, I get to draw Mr. Fantastic, then that's what you do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you had to draw him walking around normal, then you're really uh, missing the boat. <laughs> so there's, there's another thing. Uh, first of all, why is... Well, A, why does Havoc have brown hair? And B, why is he dressed like this? <laughs> so he's got like a... First of all, pleated old man khakis with a really high waist. Like he's from the 40s. Yeah. And yep. he's got a dress shirt with a college jersey on top of it. I, I don't know what's going on with that guy, but um, some interesting choices. I, I, I really like what Bogdanov does with everybody's powers, really, apart from the weird Magneto thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I even like what She-Hulk does, and, and She-Hulk and the Thing having that bonding moment I think is really, really cool as well. Right. I like their, their little chemistry that they get there as well. But right before that, when they're in the library... <laughs> There's a there's a little panel where I can't tell if they're fighting or about to make out, where she oh, yeah. and Thing are yeah. arguing about Magneto and about his uh, famous trial from Uncanny X-Men number 200. And uh, the Thing says, you're talking like you could get him off. So, Jack, I, I, I'm just wondering your opinion. Do you think do you think She-Hulk could get Magneto off? I, I know She-Hulk can. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've all seen her biceps and triceps. <laughs> right. She, she could get the thing off, let's be honest. <laughs> She's one of the few women that probably could. Right. So, th <laughs> so then we get some more magna rays. <laughs> With Magneto flying around with his crazy cape. And by the way, probably his second worst costume is the one he's wearing right now. Just purple with a belt. Right. And <laughs> space gloves and space boots. They yeah, probably have everything. lots of Velcro, maybe? There's lots of space gloves and space boots in this oh, yeah, definitely. whole series. <laughs> I also like on the bottom of page 17, we have some um, classic 80s. Is that side boob or back boob? It's, it's both. Yeah, where She-Hulk just kind of randomly gets her shirt destroyed because, hey, why not? 
Because fire? I guess. Trying Johnny guess. Storm's to blame for getting the ladies' clothes off. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> so I do like in this story that um, because someone from Claremont's perspective has to be the team member that kind of gets, that sets Reed down the path of doubt and negativity. And I like that as Ben because he's always been the one that's been the grumpiest about their powers anyway. So I like that choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I really like Ben in general in this series. He's kind of, he gets some really great moments, which we'll talk about in a minute as well. And yeah, I like the fact that it's not Johnny who is the obvious kind of annoying kind of brotherly character. Right. And it's not Sue because that would be kind of a bit coupley kind of thing. It's Ben. (laughs) It's, it's his, it's his long, his friend. Like, yeah, yeah. Yep, and then of course we have our classic Wolverine smoking. That is a hell of a cigar. <laughs> I mean, it looks like something else. Let's not lie here. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I guess Wolverine can smell doubt. Is that what we're implying here? Is there anything he can't smell? Oh, uh, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of like this is a little bit of a carryover from when we did the original Secret Wars. I kind of like that Wolverine just doesn't really care that much for Reed. Um, they're not they're not really friends, and I don't think there's anything about them that they wouldn't necessarily be friends, so I kind of like that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah and there's no reason for them to get along, so right. w- why would they? And it doesn't feel like so many of these forced kind of, oh, the, the heroes are going to fight each other because that was what sells books right. kind of thing. It feels like a genuine thing of like, why would these two people ever get along? That's why they don't coexist in a in a superhero team together. Right. I also like that Wolverine sucker punches a human torch. And just just nails him. Yeah. The only just thing I kind of like straight away. I'm sorry, what was that? He just puts him out straight away. Just yeah, one punch. Yeah. It's incredible. He falls down and flames off. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I kinda wish they would I mean, I don't think they need to say like and what we'll, you know the classic over explaining when they're like, and Wolverine punches human torch because he has a healing factor and he doesn't care if he gets burned. But at the same time, they could have shown like maybe some, some burning on his glove. There's something so that like he comes out of that, like nothing at all happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we're going to talk about the over explanation with thought bubbles a lot. <laughs> I feel it gets um, worse as the series goes on. For sure. It does. It yeah. does. And I'm going to be talking about issue two and issue four. So we're in for a long haul, ladies and gentlemen. Right. <laughs> um, and, and little Dennis the Menace looking Franklin Richards over there. <laughs> he is the the worst for doing this. He is the, the main culprit of those bloody thought bubbles. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean... I, Talking of, of Franklin Richards, I, I mentioned that he kind of looks like Dennis the Menace. Um, and when I glance, it looks like the logo on his shirt is the Incredibles logo. Oh, and it, yeah. catch, it catches me off guard every single time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's incredible. No, it's, it can't be the Incredibles. This is like 15 years before the Incredibles <laughs> was even a thing. At least, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Probably 20 years, actually. Well... Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I really like the kind of character moments in this issue, and it's not—it's a nice balance of 
actually stuff and genuine kind of emotional moments and character moments right. and it makes sense that these characters don't get along and things like that. It doesn't, none of this feels forced No, um, it's, in, it... in the same way that Secret Wars did in a lot of ways. <laughs> and, and there are a surprising amount of sort of parallels and, and an amount of synergy between these two series. Like I mentioned, we are still in the Jim Shooter Marvel era. So his influence is kind of felt in places as well. Right. Less so than in Secret Wars because it, Secret Wars was basically his thing. Yes. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it as much as what it's been quite a long time since we spoke about Secret Wars and it's, you know, two years later in the actual publishing dates, but this is surprisingly coherent with that series and feels not quite an accompaniment or a sequel or anything like that, but thematically and kind of in general, it, it plays well alongside that series, but a little less silly because you couldn't get more silly than Secret Wars. Oh, no. <laughs> Luckily, Claremont's a little more capable <laughs> of a, of yeah, a writer. Yeah, Claremont um, can actually write comics. That's the difference, I think. Right. All right, well, so what do you think of the art in this one? Um, like I said, I, I like some of the stuff Bogdanov does. I really like his depictions of powers and things like that. I feel, I mean, it's kind of a, a product of the time, but the lack of backgrounds and, and floor always annoys me when they're just standing in an entirely white room with a white floor and a white wall. It's like really got, you couldn't have just put blue or brown or anything. Just like, right. It seems, seems a bit lazy at times, but I like particularly the, when Reed is kind of having his in a monologue kind of, um, troubling moment in the, in the cockpit. And the sh- the shadowing on his face with the the single tear and things like that that is a really right, really nice yeah. shot. And I I like everybody's hair and things like that. And I like his kind of take on some of the costumes. But it's, it, the the backgrounds does annoy me. But that like I said, that is kind of a product of it being from 1987. How about you? How do you, how do you feel about Bogdanov in general? Well, so it's better than. Um... You know, he did an issue of, of Power Pack during the Mutant Massacre episodes we talked about. That was very kind of 80s cartoony. And I feel like this is more Marvel House style for the late 80s. Um, there's some really good panels and some interesting color things that I would attribute to Oliver. And there's also some pretty goofy stuff. I don't, I'm not crazy about, you know, he went with the kind of the... Uh, the taller, slimmer Wolverine. I like my Wolverine a little, little thicker. Yeah, yeah. He does seem fairly normal sized rather than right. four foot ten or whatever the hell he's supposed to be. Yeah. But I do like his take on the costume. I like the kind of muted. Um, uh, in the same way that I like my Batman with shorter horns, for want of a better phrase, ears, whatever you want to call them. Right. I, I like his Wolverine without the absolutely gigantic spiky ears. Yeah, like we haven't that. really got to that area yet. It was kind of a, a product of the time again, I suppose. Right. Yeah, that, that, the exaggerated fins really pop up in the 90s. Um, exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I I will say I thought, well, I won't, I won't spoil that. I, I thought this was a much better issue than what I'd seen of him in the past. And um, we'll see if that uh, keeps up through the series. I also thought, uh, plot-wise, it was a really pretty good setup. Again, we'll kind of talk about whether that that pays off in anything as the series goes, but as a first issue, 
I actually quite enjoyed this. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly solid issue. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to keep mentioning Secret Wars just because <laughs> that was the last thing we, we talked about in depth. But it's, it's certainly a, a stronger... Like um, it's just more natural in general, really. Right. That that's the the real kind of thing that that resonates with me. Nothing feels forced, and so easily can hero versus hero stories feel forced for the sake of money or for the sake of a team having a movie out or having a particular thing happen. Like, oh, we need to promote the new fantastic four run so let's have them cross over with the more popular x-men right. and have that be a thing or whatever but this feels surprisingly coherent apart from like i said she hulk just she's part of i guess she's part of the fantastic four she just was she's yeah, just she, went back she to the avengers is, so yeah. it's like <laughs> right I never think of her as that. So it's this weird kind of, oh, yeah, She-Hulk just showed up and now she's in costume. And it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> never figured I'd be wearing this outfit again. And I was like, oh, right. yeah. <laughs> she, like you said before, she's currently with the Avengers in continuity. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Did they have to have that lying around? They just have a spare She-Hulk costume just in case. Well, I mean, they're all unstable molecules, right? So Reed probably just whipped it up out of the unstable molecule closet. Hello? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So overall, I thought I thought the book fit well with both series currently, and it just it makes sense. Like you said, nothing's forced. Like it makes sense that the X Men would say, you know what? We've tried to fix Kitty. It's beyond our abilities. Let's go find the smartest person we know. And in the Marvel universe, that's Reed Richards. So let's let's see if he'll help us. Like it's it's very just plot-driven and organic, and so I like that a lot. So overall, I'm going to give the first issue four out of six claws. What do you want to give it, Jack? I am right there with you. Right on my notes, so I've got four out of six popped claws for Perfect. issue number one. Well, let's, uh, let's scoot on to number two. Um, this is the exact same creative team. What's, uh, what's this one called, Jack? Truths and Consequences. Perfect. And uh, what do we got on the cover? Um, more Wolverine action <laughs> because, you know, we're, we're on the Snickcast because so why not? Right. <laughs> um, I do really, really like um, the kind of way Reed Richards and his kind of creepy silhouette in the background looms over. We have Wolverine, like I said, kind of front and center right. again with a, a speech balloon for some reason. Um <laughs> Again, because it's 1987, um, right? And and the dying Richards with with crying Franklin, who I mentioned uh, earlier on as well. Um, it's a very kind of similar shot to earlier on in issue one, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, 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 these covers are very coherent, and you really get a sense of. Did they need to have two covers that basically look exactly the same? You know what I, mean? I feel like they can be subsequent panels in a different story. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if there was a if all, all both well, both of these covers could be Franklin's part of Franklin's dream very easily, right? And then, I mean, as we get on to three and four. I mean, the other ones could be as well, and they they could pretty much tell the story just those four images. Like, here's Wolverine doing this thing. Here's Franklin doing this thing. Um, but yeah, I, I would like I said, actually I'm, argue that you could take these four covers and write a better story. 
based on the covers. <laughs> they mean, actually yeah, just make yeah. what happens Comic on the covers happen. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, comics are kind of renowned for having a cover that doesn't actually tell you what's going on inside right. the issue. Yeah. And oh, welcome to comics, everybody. <laughs> this, is, this is what's happening. Yeah, um, yeah I, re- I really like the... Um, Joker Doom? I mean, Joker Doom, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All, all green it. and black and, and looking really, really cool. And the way he looms even over the top of the X-Men logo yeah. is... I don't know if that's a conscious, conscious decision to have him clearly showing he's like the overbearing villain to the piece like right. he is the one that even like shadows the x-men literally in the cover i don't know if that's a conscious decision but i really like the fact that he just dominates that part of the page um and yeah i don't like word balloons on covers i just don't it, it never is never sat right with me i don't like thought bubbles i don't like word balloons on covers i just but, i wish he would have said because he says, your mother's been avenged, okay, kid? And I wish he would have said, your mother's been avenged, okay, little bub? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, right. should, he should end every sentence with bub. Oh, much. definitely, yeah. <laughs> that, that should be a rule. And maybe we should do an episode where we have to do that. <laughs> okay, bub. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do a sponsored day where like, you just go to work as normal, but call everyone bub. <laughs> right? Hanging out with your wife. Hey, Bob. How's it going, Bob? I love you, Bob. <laughs> Is he saying babe? Is that a thing? Like, what's going on? Uh, I would, I, I would prefer Bob to Bay. Oh, oh, God, yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure your wife would catch on pretty quickly. She'd be like, "Oh, I yeah. know what Jason's doing." Yeah. Right. There would, there would be no sort of sneaking it past her or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we have the exact same creative team. I want to give a quick shout out to the, um, I mean, the guy that Claremont basically brought along with him throughout his career, Tor Mordzikowski, yeah, who is one of the best letterers probably there's ever been in superhero comics. Like he is phenomenally good and has defined the way people letter superhero comics since the early 80s and since the late 70s, really. I've had a chance to chat to Tom a couple of times online and he's a super engaging and interesting guy as well he's quite kind of reserved and and is never particularly fond of the spotlight or anything like that so he he wasn't particularly fond of my fanboying at first <laughs> but um, yeah once we kind of kind of settled down and we had a chat i have a group of friends who are letterers and and stuff and they kind of introduced me to him through various mediums and whatnot and um that's cool yeah yeah i just wanted to give a shout out to tom Wasikowski because the lettering in this book and basically his entire X-Men run, like I mentioned, with Claremont is just phenomenal from start to finish. And yeah. there are some real, real highlights. I mean, let's let's dive straight into the issue. The opening page, the way he frames that final utterance out of Wolverine's frothing mouth. Yeah, he's literally spitting mad is what I had in my notes. Exactly, yeah, yeah. He, he, has, he has the first two normal balloons and then the third one is just jagged and angular and just really kind of resonates with what wolverine's face is doing and the way he's the things he's saying and oh man so good so good it's such a subtle little thing that i didn't even notice the first time i read it (laughs) and i went back a second time and i was like god that's so subtle that's so good that's so clever and i mean we're talking what 20 
eight years ago and people weren't doing this stuff back then this is Orzakowski breaking ground and doing amazing things that people these days who have a much easier time of doing it. I know I'm doing the whole like back in my day kind of thing, <laughs> even though I was, I was born in 1990. So this is not my day. Um, <laughs> um, the fact that he did all this stuff back then that people still aren't doing now with digital lettering and things like that. people can, um, it, it's so much easier to do interesting balloon shapes and, and weird things with lettering that you couldn't possibly do before. But Ortokowski is doing all this amazing stuff. So, yeah, yeah I just wanted, wanted to give a quick shout out to Ortokowski before oh, we dive awesome. straight into this. And, uh, I would say, you know, also, working so long term with Claremont, he definitely um, put a lot of letters out there. Because <laughs> Claremont wonder, does a lot of writing. <laughs> I wonder if he has, like, one of the highest word counts in, like, Marvel history. I was, I was about like, to make Published a, word count. Right, has like the a highest Guinness record. Who's worked with Bendis a lot? Like it's, be- it's between Claremont's favorite letter and Bendis's favorite letter. Okay. <laughs> um, I have a feeling I have because I mean Tom did all of Claremont's X books. Right, I think for, he did for, other books for, too. Like for it literally wasn't... decades, plus loads of other stuff as well. Exactly. Right. He did Fantastic Four stuff. He's done. He's worked with John Byrne on other books and things like that. Yeah, and. I have a feeling he must be, surely. Surely he must be the single most published letterer in Marvel Comics. I can't think of anyone else who would come close. But, yeah, he's he's a legend, and he often doesn't get the kind of credit that I feel he deserves, so I wanted to give him a quick little shout-out. Perfect. So, on to the issue. Like I said, fantastic opening, really kind of powerful shot with uh, Wolverine and Reed still going at it. We, I, I really, really like that we pick up right where we left off with issue one right it doesn't it doesn't mess around it's literally the second after what just happened wolverine is almost like finishing his sentence and re-uttering his uh threat and then it reminded me you know it reminded me of like when you watch a tv show like i felt like the end of issue one was the start of a commercial break and then issue <laughs> number two is immediately coming back from the commercial wolverine will finish the sentence after these messages <laughs> <Right. laughs> exactly yeah yeah um again um we get some really great use of the powers because people start standing up to wolverine basically um they realize wolverine has killed he may kill again and right. storm of all people which i really really like steps in because storm is kind of i feel the unsung hero of the x-men the unsung leader well she is the, the leader right now yeah exactly she is the leader right now which says a lot um and you can kind of tell that just by even even if you didn't know that and i, I was aware of that um <laughs> but if, if you didn't know that you, you really get a sense of that in these opening couple of panels and i, I really appreciate that then we kind of get the first bit of bickering between the the two teams. Ben stands up and, and has a go at everybody as well. Um, does his like Hulk style clap, where, which that's does a great panel. Something. Um, it's a great panel. Big slam and Magneto goes twisting and flying out of the way. And I always like seeing Magneto kind of. In, you know, he's so pompous and so like proud of himself and aware of his own magnificent abilities and then the thing just claps and he's sent flying (laughs) (laughs) i like it when magneto's put in his place and yeah you get you get these kind of nice shots of johnny fighting back as well and then the x-men really kind of start to 
to kick some butt and, and, and take some names. Rogue, with a terrible fringe, gets involved. Mm. Uh, and I can't remember if I knew this or not, but I thought she just took mutant powers, but she also took Ben's power. And I was really confused because <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if she could do that. Is that a, is that a common thing? Yeah, like, yeah, because so her whole thing is she took... Carol Danvers' powers. Oh, of course. Like, permanently. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. God, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's why she can fly and why she's super strong and stuff. Of course. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why so many people hate her, because she was a villain and she yeah. <laughs> nearly killed Carol Danvers. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I never think of the thing's thing as a power. He's just a rock man. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Um, and she, she kisses and, and becomes... Um, and it's a really kind of brilliant moment where in, in three panels it tells you so much about Ben Grimm and, and my co-host on the show. I mentioned Dan earlier who's been on this show. Also mentioned Matt, um, who is another co-host of mine who has been on this show as well. Yeah. And he is a huge Ben Grimm fan. He's moments, easily like, my favorite Fantastic Four. Oh, clearly, clearly. Yeah. Um, he, he's kind of the... I like Reed because he's a dick, <laughs> not because he's a genuinely nice person. But Ben Grimm is like... The, the sweetheart, he's like, and it's a brilliant line, and, and as wordy as Claremont can get, he does really write some ridiculous and beautiful po- poetic stuff. Right. Uh, and it's the, she thought she'd be attacking a toad, instead, she's touched the soul of a prince. Right. It's like, and that she is starts so, crying. <laughs> that so defines Ben Grimm in like two sentences. It's, it's brilliantly done, and it's a really nice piece of storytelling that just in in three panels i mean just gets across this kind of fundamentally who this character is of course then we get psylocke jumping in and uh creating mental butterflies in johnny storm's head again with the fantastic stretching of reed richards when you get wolverine kicking him in the face and his guns going flying and stuff that may be my favorite panel (laughs) in this entire series if not it's definitely in this issue maybe in the entire series and it's uh yeah, really good. Franklin Richards looking more and more like Dennis the Menace by the minute. <laughs> Again, Menace by the minute. Uh, <laughs> That's the tagline. Exactly, exactly. Um, he's having another one of his little kind of freak outs and um, astral projections and things like that. And of course, Sue rushes to his side again. And then we get where it gets weird, basically. Um, <laughs> it's all started off fairly like we said fairly sort of cohesive and fairly standard and then now we get a bit weird we get um we're back on Murr island and we have dazzler and Longshot and yeah cyborg amazingness and <laughs> people's faces exploding with robots and right i mean again like like i mentioned with uh in secret wars the fact that claw had like this satellite dish hand and now we just get more satellite dish hands. <laughs> I didn't even make the correlation. That's awesome. I know, I know. I'm, I'm maybe tying a bit too much. To no, it's great. It looks so much like him. If only exactly. this guy, like, sing-sang all his dialogue. <laughs> um, and so we next get, of course, Moira McTaggart trying to sort of mediate between the two teams which i really like because she is a scientist and And a very fast caster but well yes definitely (laughs) 
<laughs> um, she is certainly kind of a uh, kind of a, a, an in between person where she's she's a scientist, like I said, and a colleague of Reed Richards, but also has, of course, many loyalties towards the X Men. Right. And then she puts a bandage, like you said, a cast on and on a storm in like a half a panel in between panels. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. As she finishes her sentence, she's put a cast on magically after a storm got burnt earlier on. And I like that we get the definitive noise of the claws popping in rather oh, than yeah. popping out. We don't Snack. get snicked, we get snacked. Which I, like. I feel like we need to do like an anti-Wolverine podcast called the Snacked Cast. <laughs> the podcast that goes snacked. Exactly. Why is Wolverine mad all the time? I hate that guy. <laughs> Everything is zero claws. It's just like, no, I refuse. Anyway. It, it carries on through and uh, we learn a bit more about the problem that's going on on uh, on Murr Island and the robot melts his face off and just goes mental <laughs> wow. um, and and is a doombot because that that that's that's a thing that happens in the 80s right. Every, everything is probably a doombot where does the cape you don't know what come it is, from it's probably a doombot <laughs> I like the um, the kind of classic. See recent issues of X Men to explain <laughs> this entire thing about the Marauders and stuff. And like he just right. casually drops knowledge and he's like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, I really, really like. I mean, we mentioned what um, Bogdanov did on the cover with Doom, and I really like this splash page. Yeah, it's nice. I, I, <clears throat> I really like the the uh, Kirby energy field thing that he does with yeah, the, the, the Kirby crackle and the dots and stuff. The Kirby crackle. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. I love a good Kirby crack. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? Love it so much. And, and it's a really nice use, and it just gives Doctor Doom the kind of gravitas and stuff um, that he needs. And, yeah, we get... I, I, I just love the interactions between the X-Men and Doctor Doom and the X-Men just not giving a shit at all. They just don't care about Doctor Doom, and Reed Richards is freaking out. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, whatever, Doom, shut up. Are you doing any kindness of your heart? Yeah, whatever. And they're like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You're bargaining with the devil. You're insane. <laughs> and, and of course, we've got the parallel between Reed and Doom going on. So the fact that Reed is the one freaking out about Doom, but he is the one that is kind of destined to go on that path, I think is a nice little interesting... Uh, thing there then we have of course magneto swooping in and helping out with the robot because it's metal and magnetic <laughs> and uh kind of again pasting up the x-men and uh, helping those guys out as soon as he's kind of patched them all up i really really like the fact that we see rogue coming out of her ben grim thing yeah. she still looks a bit scaly and weird and Again, it took me a second look. Not a second read, but I was like, what is that? Why is one of the Murlocs here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Rogue. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Uh, and, yeah, we then get, like we said, Ben confronting Reed in a really kind of powerful, brilliant scene that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, it's really um, nice. More... more bendy mr fantastic as he gets slammed into the wall it's pretty great absolutely yeah yeah and it's almost i, I like the way he addresses that they've been friends for so long and and it's like old buddy old pal he uses that right. really sarcastically like you said in the aforementioned slam against the wall and then we get once again really nice lettering i want the truth from ben Grimm as they want to know more about 
like you mentioned, the kind of totem of Franklin's dream is his university journal, Reed's university journal. And <laughs> he finally kind of spills the beans and you learn a lot more about where this kind of items come from. And people start to pick up on the fact that what he is, is what he said true and is Reed being honest with everybody and everything like that. And there's, I really like the doubt that it casts in, in everyone's mind, even his closest friends like Ben. Then we get some excellent topless Wolverine action because Wolverine in his pants is the best Wolverine, clearly. Apparently, he's only in his undies and his boots. Yeah, because (laughs) why why would you be in anything else? (laughs) If you were that hairy, why would you need clothes? Right. Um, I'm just imagining him having to shave to to fit into, like, normal human clothes. (laughs) But if he has a healing factor, but that's hair's dead already with that cam i don't know hmm, i don't know um it's kind of like the superman how does he cut his hair if he's indestructible kind of thing and uh yeah we kind of get the uh, the story as told by reed richards and then like you mentioned the cosmic rays if you didn't know about the cosmic rays and the origin story of the fantastic four they do a nice little job of kind of introducing that whole thing in the whole origin in like four panels. Right. Yeah. Which is really all you need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad that they. I didn't. don't think it was that many more panels in Fantastic Four number one. <laughs> Good point. Fair point. <laughs> Whereas the Fantastic Four movie, it was the entire movie. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, and it doesn't matter which movie right, I'm talking right, about. Yeah. That. It applies to any Fantastic Fill Four the movie there's ever yeah. been, whether we're talking 60s, early 2000s, <laughs> or the recent one. There's too much origin story. Please learn from your mistakes, Fox. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, back to back to the issue. Ben kind of gets to the root of the whole thing, and it, it's kind of a heartbreaking moment between him and and Sue Storm. And he really kind of realizes that he doesn't want to be around this Reed Richards, whoever this Reed Reed Richards is, and whether. You know, this is kind of the foreshadowing to Franklin's dream or not and all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, we get the obligatory Wolverine scene because he's basically a main character in this for some reason. <laughs> and again, we get the obligatory smoking scene as well where he lights it straight from the fire like a badass. Right. And I must say, I really, really like that final shot of Storm in the chair leading the X-Men and uh, then basically we're saying, we'll, we stand with you as the X-Men kind of thing. Right. And, uh, yeah, that concludes it, basically. Yeah, we so. have tumultuous relationships in the Fantastic Four and the X-Men standing united. So you can kind of see where the uh, the conflict is coming from now. Yeah. I do want to say where they stand with Storm is that she's saying they're going to accept Doom's offer to help Kitty. Sorry, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Absolutely. They're going against Reed Richards because he's kind of proven himself to not be trustworthy in in the other character's eyes and they they are going against his wishes so yeah 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 so how did you feel about this issue compared to issue one in the in the scope of the series well before we get to that i do want to say i I found my note that i wanted to say last issue but it applies to this issue as well i think havoc with brown hair and the way they drew him he looks like a norman rockwell cyclops I yeah I see. I suppose you've got the uh, 
Summer's brother, it makes sense that he kind of looks like Cyclops, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I thought I thought it was still pretty good. I thought it was a little bit of a step down from the first issue. Um, I thought the art was pretty. You had a couple of really great panels, but I thought the rest was kind of just standard. Yep. Um, yep. I'm with you. It is particularly the art is a step down from issue one to issue yes. two. Yeah. Overall, like with the exception of a couple of really great panels. And really, the first, the first, well, I, I guess, first two pages are really, really good. <laughs> and then it kind of just meanders its way through the book. Um, one thing we get with 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 J. Bog is um some pretty ugly faces just kind of randomly sprinkled throughout the issue. Um, <laughs> particularly Rogue is just really. She is not a pretty lady in this. No, but you know, it's funny. She's really not until Mark Silvestri comes along. Uh, Yeah. And then we get the transformation into sexy rogue. (laughs) The best kind of rogue. Yeah, we go from like... The rogue I remember from my, shall we say, formative years. Yeah. (laughs) You were forming something. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we go from like almost middle-aged looking, a little bit butch, and then Sylvester comes along and we get, like, Vixen. So there's definitely a change in Rogue's overall appearance. And this is this is before that, but she definitely has a strange face throughout this series. But, yeah, overall, I, I, that was a fine issue. Do you have any other, other comments you want to make on this one in particular? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's along a similar sort of line to the first one, but it just feels... Like it slipped a bit more towards the the crazy and the over the top, whereas the first issue didn't necessarily feel grounded because it is still Reed Richards stretching everywhere and right. superhero powers everywhere. But like we said, the word natural keeps cropping up from from both you and I, and this one felt a little bit more kind of disjointed and a little bit less cohesive than the first issue. Yeah, um, you kind of you really jump around a lot. Like I mentioned, there's a Fantastic Four origin story in the middle of this and the whole kind of flashbacks with his story from his journal and all this sort of stuff. And then Wolverine suddenly topless. It's like, okay, he's in pants and boots. And then we're back to Wolverine in a shirt. And then, I mean, yeah, it, it jumps around a lot more than I felt it need, needed to, um, which kind of made it feel less cohesive than the first issue. I also thought it was a hair less interesting. I felt like, and, and kind of this will be true the longer the series goes on is it moves kind of further and further away from what the first issue set up as far as potential. So I feel like this definitely is a little bit of a step backwards as far as what the issue could have been. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that, man. All right. When are you going to grade Fantastic Four versus the X-Men number two? I've got Wolverine holding up one hand. (laughs) Three claws for me. All right. Well, it's my turn to copy you. I also did three (laughs) out of six claws. Oh, no. Are we going to be completely agreeable in this whole thing and it's just going to be a really like I hope not. happy smiley podcast yeah we need to find something to, to bicker about um <laughs> maybe it'll be number three by the soul's darkest light uh, oh, what, what an amazing title yeah it's pretty great again same team uh jay bog still doing the cover this cover is actually pretty cool so you have the x-men all in dr doom mask attacking the Fantastic Four, again with fire on the horizon, 
And then you got Doom just standing with his arms crossed, looking smug as hell. Um, Once again, looming over everything else, yeah. which I like. And I do, I'm a fan of when his green cape slash tunic have different shades of green. Absolutely. So I totally just, with you there. I yep. kind of like that. In this particular situation, he has a very kind of normal green tunic with a more army green cloak. Kind of muddy looking. It looks really cool. And we have Havoc blasting Franklin in the butt. <laughs> Giving him a little plasma spanking. Um that's yeah. something I'll be Googling later is plasma spanking. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, <laughs> but again, uh, this is something not only that we won't get in the comic, but when you see all the X-Men in Doom Mask and then find out it has nothing to do with the story, it's kind of disappointing because it's like, I kind of want to read the story where Wolverine and Havoc and Rogue are like overtaken by Doom. But yeah, like not not in this one. <laughs> has has there ever been a story where he uses like almost like the mask from the the I guess the the comic the, series and the, the, Jim, the Carrey Jim Carrey movie? movie. <laughs> yeah, Shmoke where it. Doom Doom would use his mask as like a thing to overtake other people. Right. Has, do you know if he's ever done that before? I I'm, am, I'm, like I said, I'm not particularly <laughs> versed in the in the FF history, so I don't right. know if that is a thing where he would create multiple like versions of his mask, and yeah. if you wear it, you get powers, but it consumes you and eventually corrupts you or something like that. Right. So I think like it's quite a cool idea. Nanotech that bonds to your face or whatever. Almost like if the Mad Hatter and Doctor Doom had a baby. <laughs> exactly. The mad the mad mask maker. Awesome. I want that villain. <laughs> right. When we get a, when we get an FF Batman crossover, we'll see. Oh man! Even just Batman fighting Doctor Doom, I'm I'm fine with that. But yeah, so here's issue number three. Basically, the X Men go to Latveria, where Doom miraculously heals Storm with the power of the Risen Christ. Um, <laughs> Kitty decides to let herself dissipate into nothing, so the X Men won't be in Doom's debt on her account. Uh, it's kind of noble of her, I guess, maybe. Um, Franklin's astral form talks Ghost Kitty off of a very solid ledge. So, follow that. Doom promises to fix her. Reen uh, decides to be a good dad for a few pages. Um, the Thing tries to drink his sorrows away, but he cheers up when he saves baby Ruth. No, that's really what happens. From a burning car. <laughs> Human Torch confides in Alicia that he's not mad at Reed. He's glad he's the Torch, whether it was an accident or not. So after witnessing Reed's tender moment with Franklin, Sue also comes around and tells Reed she believes it's not really his diary. While Doom begins to fix Kitty, the Fantastic Four get back together. They get the band back together and decide to go to Latveria to um, also fix Kitty? Question mark? <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's issue number three. A couple of things before we summarize kind of our feelings. Um, if you look at page six, we have Ghost Kitty, who is wandering around with nothing but her fog on. And uh, that face on the bottom of the page, <laughs> we see that Franklin looks in horror at his first boobies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But it brings up a question. It's something I've talked... You know, going through these old X-Men, I've brought this up a lot. I'm not sure why in this page that Kitty 
our 15-year-old girl is um, such a sexy ghost. <laughs> not not a big fan of that. Yeah, I felt really creepy reading this issue, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> we learn a little bit about uh, Thing Biology on page 16, where uh, Thing basically says that a rocky penis can't make babies. Because, <laughs> you know, that's what we're always worried about. Right. He's like, my line ends here. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, I wonder what would be like the the thing's equivalent of sperm. Like, what 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 are his cells made of? Hmm. So, what would his like reproductive cell be made of? I don't know. That's very interesting. I'm going to assume little for, pebbles. For Reed yeah, it seems like <laughs> just a little like throwing a little bag of pebbles. Ah, ow. <laughs> right. Right into... It's like having a kidney stone. (laughs) (laughs) But like 10,000 kidney stones. Right. The thing. Making love to me is like having a kidney stone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, She-Hulk getting him off is like having 10,000 kidney (laughs) stones. They're really a match made in heaven. (laughs) Exactly. I will say uh, the art on page 18 where Thing saves baby Ruth is awesome. Like him tearing that car apart and ripping his shirt and just his facial expressions. Just really fantastic art. Oh, (laughs) I also said on page 20 that commas are very important. (laughs) There's a part where where Johnny comes in and he says, because Alicia says, Johnny, stop torturing yourself. Everyone makes mistakes. And Johnny mine, says... Mine cripple, Alicia. Right. Mine well, can kill. Yeah. But when I first read that, I missed the comment, and I thought he said, Mine cripple, Alicia. Like, like that was his <laughs> nickname for her. <laughs> I, I know you're a bit of a dick, Johnny, but wow. Right. Like, I don't know if she should be with him. <laughs> it's kind of abusive. <laughs> it could be like, Mine cripple alicia right. so like it's the thing that cripples alicia <laughs> e- either way it's I, I kind of like your version of where it's a, just a weird nickname right <laughs> i know she's blind but geez you're a hardcore prick <laughs> golly it's a step too far johnny storm right yeah there was a line and you burned it hey there we go hey <laughs> All right, so what do you think of the art in this issue? Um, like you said, that that scene with the thing is just great stuff. Real, real nice stuff. I feel this is a step up um, in, in some ways. There's some really nice stuff. The shadowy doom in front of the uh, kind of tubes and vats and, and yes, things like that. Just a great the, panel. Just the cloak and the kind of... Are they by brooches, the little fastening things of his cloak, where he's just he looks like the claw from Inspector Gadget. Nice, like it's really really cool. I I, right. I mean we're talking about the shades of green and his cloak and his rope and his tunic and stuff, and that's just like there's really nice blends of greens that go with the red background that he just stands out right beautifully, really really well. Once again, I have a really big problem with sexualization of young female characters yeah um, we, we've had a similar sort of situation over the years with wonder girl in dc comics i don't know if you're familiar ah. with wonder girl yeah and i i would agree with you except for i didn't know she was supposed to be that young i just assumed she was 20 something she's also 15 i think that's gross 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she is as like, about as boobalicious as they come. She's yeah, and incredibly well endowed and right. incre- incredibly underdressed for right. every situation you can possibly think of. And she's like fifteen or sixteen, maybe. Oh. I mean, she's she's eighteen at a push, I think. And it's like, <laughs> as a twenty-five-year-old man, I find that incredibly creepy. Right. The create the creators are a lot older than me, and I don't understand how they think that's okay. I mean, it's a the- It's been a theme in comics since the absolute beginning, right. and it, it's something I feel like we are getting better with. We are. I hope so. Helping, I like to think so. Helping to. Yeah, yeah. The the, the optimist in it in us, I think, Jason. Right. As as long term comic book fans, <laughs> we hope we're getting better. We're more accepting of different races and different sexualities and different genders and all that stuff in real life and in the comic book industry because yeah. the industry and the characters have a long way to go. I mean, we make headline news when a character's gay and it shouldn't be that of a that much of a big deal, but it still is. And and I appreciate the fact that, you know, she had to be kind of this ethereal kind of mysterious figure but that doesn't necessarily have to come with the sexualization aspect. right i agree and, and and you can't say it's an accident either because you have like the mist like almost comically covering up her naughty bits and I, there's a bit where i'm pretty sure we should be able to see a nipple it's oh. paid it's it is like you said it's the bit where franklin is horrified by his first boob <laughs> and it's like how come we? I mean, there's a bit that it could be a nipple if you look at it from a certain angle. Yeah, it could be. It's like that's that should not be a thing. That should never be a thing. No. And yeah, I, uh, yeah. Poor, poor little Dennis the Menace is freaking out. <laughs> he can't handle his boobs. No, no. Ah, <laughs> uh, so what do you think of the story? Um, it's fine i guess uh, again it feels less coherent with, with each passing issue it, yeah it lose, it's losing the plot like like you kind of mentioned earlier it gets worse and worse as the series goes on yeah it gets a little bit weirder and a little bit like wait why what why is why is storm got one of those things from gladiator <laughs> why is it suddenly gladiators featuring x-men well, that you know that brings up a, a more important question since you at since you mentioned that why, so why over, isn't it a crossover with gladiators well no over there because over here that show is called american gladiators so when y'all watch it in England, what's is it just called Gladiators? Is it is it English Gladiators? Yeah, it's, it's just it's just called Gladiators. <laughs> okay, well we are. Uh... So, but but <laughs> shouldn't it be the other way round? <laughs> like, so do you still have the Scottish guy who's the referee? I don't know. The, I... the Gladiators, are you ready? That guy. <laughs> I don't remember. Contestants, are you ready? That's awesome. Like, he's some like legendary Scottish yeah. like athlete or something like that, and he just shows up as a referee. Yeah. I, I will. On. I will confess. I've probably seen parts of three episodes of that oh, whole man. series. It, it it was my time. It was the early nineties. <laughs> that was my thing. I mean, that's how I got into X Men with the with the animated series. So yeah, early nineties. Like I said, that was my formative years in, right. in many many ways. Yeah, I'm right. So, yeah, I, I feel like I, we're just I've getting the, a... the, the, the plot is a bit just weird in places, and even more so than the previous issue. This is now jumping around a lot as well. It's getting less 
sticking to what actually matters. And like you said, we now just have Johnny Storm hanging out with Alicia. And as much as I like Ben's moment, that's kind of the bit that could stay in it for me. If I was editing this thing down, I would just get rid of whole other chunks of the book right? and just kind of focus on the Ben Reed situation and, and have that as kind of the, the emotional center of the whole thing. And it feels really kind of underplayed because there's so much other stuff going on as well with the X-Men. And like we mentioned right at the beginning, they don't really need to be there. This could be a completely unrelated thing and just have it be a Fantastic Four story. And I think it would be better if it was. (laughs) I also think there's a difference. You know, some of the writers I love, stuff comes out of nowhere and gets weird. Um, You know, Ryan K. Vaughn, stuff like that, where stuff is like, what? But it's interesting. Whereas I feel like this gets weird, but it's really boring. <laughs> yeah, it's almost weird for the sake of being weird. Right. It, again, like the, we, it starts off, so like, well, that makes sense. Oh, he did that. Well, that makes sense. And this is just like his ghost kitty pride, and she's really sexy for some reason, and then suddenly, you know... They're fighting like gladiators, and there's robots in the future, and Storm is being controlled in her dreams in space, and there's a castle, and we're in Latveria, and why? What's going on? Why? Who? What? <laughs> it's all just... It's, it, so much of it seems completely unrelated. So, we want to grade <laughs> Fantastic Four number three. I, I, I'm worried that we're just going to be on a on a sliding scale here um <laughs> after you man this is this is your issue right. I, i'm gonna give it two out of six claws god damn it jason <laughs> four three two should we predict what we both say for issue four <laughs> <laughs> we have a matching sliding scale let's find out right. uh, <laughs> right. um Whoa. yeah so if we were doing like a an accumulative, like almost like a Metacritic version of the reviews here would be kind of pointless. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a very noticeable trend. Exactly. And, and with exactly. that trend in mind, Jack, why don't you bring us home with number four? Let's let's wrap this up, shall we? Let's yeah. put a bow on it since it's, it's so close to Christmas. Um, <laughs> even though Doctor Doom had promised that everything went well, and of course it turns out that he is not such a uh, a nice man, Turns out Kitty Pride is not cured and has not been completely sorted out. And none other than Lockheed shows up because if if anything, every comic is improved by Lockheed's appearance. Yes, I would agree. Even if even if he just basically licks Franklin's face and <laughs> is adorable for like two pages. Um, <laughs> but I, I really, really like what, what Lockheed does just to kind of add to to kind of show Franklin more as a child right? and and kind of his bond with Lockheed and the fact that he's just like, oh, a cute little dragon and all that sort of stuff. But then, of course, ew, dragon germs is kind of a classic <laughs> bratty little kid thing to say. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about Bogdanov's face, facial expressions. Lockheed maybe has the best facial expressions of anyone in this yes, book. Yes, it's great. Yeah. It is like the second panel on page three is just like this fantastic little like 
yeah, whatever, little snort of flame out of his nose, like, rolling his eyes at some bratty little kid. <laughs> of course I remember you, Franklin. God, give me some credit. Like, right. I'm not just some random dragon, Franklin. Um, <laughs> I like that, We again, we have Franklin being horrified by ethereal breasts um <laughs> he has he has some fantastic shocked expressions and things like that and i still stand by the fact that he's looking more and more like dennis the menace with every with every panel he's got a uh, wicked widow's peak i know right it's hardcore um you think he wouldn't get that for another like 50 years right but... now he's straight up eddie monster <laughs> Oh my god, if you mash up Dennis the Menace and Eddie Monster, <laughs> you get Frank Generation. Um, oh goodness. Yeah, he kind of tries to reassure Kitty, which I think is a quite a nice little moment of telling the story that Reed had, had told him previously. And then, of course, he then explains about the dreams and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, she doesn't, she's, she's not too happy at first and then uh she ends up crying and once again we get the uh, shocked face of franklin and uh yeah yeah I, re I really like the kind of shot where he goes to just twiddling his fingers and kind of mumbling to himself yeah and it is suddenly like oh he's really reed richard's son you can <laughs> see the kind of the cogs turning and him being right. this little this little like boy genius thing that exactly what reed probably went through at the same time in his life and things like that and i really like that moment where you can kind of see the the genetic link between the two of them um, kind of great i also really like the panel above that where lockheed's trying to make franklin suck on his tail <laughs> <laughs> and he knows it they, like said, yeah. the expression on, on lockheed's face is just like yeah, yeah you want it franklin right you there know you, want, you, you want this in your mouth <laughs> Which, uh, for, for those of us, um, for the listeners out there, that is not a accurate or no, appropriate no. dating technique. No. I'm just, like, hanging out and just putting it near their mouth. <laughs> don't don't trust Lockheed through his little smirk. Right. It's not the best pickup technique, I'm afraid. We, we've all tried it, but it's never worked, from right. it, I promise. Except for maybe Georgie. <laughs> he may have got it to work. I mean, yeah, if, if anyone can get it to work, <laughs> it's it's the L.A. boy toy. It's the, it's the Tokyo tranny boy. It's Georgie V. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, once again, we get a really great heartfelt moment with Ben Grimm. And he's basically, the, he's the star of the show for me, I think. Yeah. He, he gets, like I said, he's not my favorite character in Fantastic Four because I find Reed Richards and he's kind of, um, dealing with trying to not be evil and not be a genius maniac. So interesting. <laughs> but Ben Grimm is such a likable person. He's so... Uh, it's, it's the perfect blend of... The monster, for want of a better phrase, of the group is the most human by far. Right. Yeah, it, He is the least human physically, but he's the most human emotionally. And he knows how to handle people and he has that brilliant moment with with sue and he does the things for sue that reed richards never can he can be there for <laughs> her emotionally and he can be there to cheer her up with a little um <laughs> toy faces made out of metal <laughs> because th that's a thing he can do and 
Yeah, yeah. Has there ever uh, been a story where they like have an affair? Yeah, or or yes, even... there has. Yes, okay. that makes yeah. sense. There is. Um, it's one of the. It's not the Hickman run, but it's one of the other more modern runs. Is there is a full on love triangle as part of their origin story, and it is very much hinted throughout. You know the history of Fantastic Four. Okay, cool. But but certain interpretations go. I th- it might be the ultimate. Actually, come to think of it, I've I've read most of the Ultimate Fantastic Four for for better or worse. Um, <laughs> it has its highs and it certainly has its lows. But yeah, I believe I'm, I apologise, listeners, if you know. Feel free to tweet at me after the show and uh, correct me if I am wrong. But yeah, he has a full on. I think he they date first and he introduces her to Reed and she leaves ah, Ben for Reed or okay. something like that because Ben is kind of. He starts off with kind of the muscle, and she's like, oh, but I see Reed as so intellectual and stuff. And then, of course, by the time she's with Reed and they become the Fantastic Four, she realizes the more emotionally mature and developed of the two is actually Ben. And, and it all kind of, like, backfires. So, yeah, there is definitely some history there, and it's not kind of... I like that moment where they've always been kind of close. It's kind of the Wolverine, Jean Grey, Cyclops thing. Okay. Where the Cyclops can kind of... He's he's the guy that is with Gene, but Wolverine always has those moments where he'll be like, "Oh, Gene, don't worry about it," and then they have that like embrace or that moment or they the brief like touch of hand like we have here with right. uh, Benjamin J. Grimm. You are a brick. <laughs> it's like, actually, I'm the thing. I'm I'm, I'm made of brick. <laughs> and yeah, I, I really really love that moment. The rest of the issue. Um, once again, it jumps around quite a lot. We get, um, and I, I, I find these sort of transitional um, captions so archaic and weird, which just says "further forward." <laughs> further forward, what? <laughs> further forward in in time, I guess. Like, couldn't it just be later? <laughs> I think it just means. In the front part of the plane. Oh, yeah, of course. It means literally physically further forward in the seats, I guess. Like, <laughs> that's that's so bizarre. It's such a weird way of explaining it. Yes. Um, so, yes, we, we carry on and we get um, more kind of X-Men, Fantastic Four conflict, I guess. We once again get Johnny Storm zapping Storm. Storm. I never occurred to me. Storm against Storm. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I just said that out loud, and I was like, "Johnny," I was like, "I said Johnny Storm out loud," and I was like, "Wait, she's have I got that wrong? No, oh my god, wow, yeah." So we get some and some more Storm on Storm action because that's that's what we're all here for, right. to be honest. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it gets a bit kind of interesting with Reed's flashback and his kind of. And it's um, that intentionally is supposed to look like golden age art, right? Like that's the choice. Yes, that's okay. exactly what I was about to say. Right. I assume it suddenly goes to what would this be if he's? Yeah, it would be set in the f- late fifties, early sixties, I guess. <laughs> At this point, yeah, and on the it, sliding it, it, scale in the continuity of the book. If that makes, if they're currently in eighty-seven, then. Right. flashback to like 65 or something like that where he's um yeah yeah um he's a young man just about to go to university and then being a genius in his uh maths and physics class and and all that sort of stuff and yeah i really like the idea that they do kind of switch up the art and it seems like a conscious decision like you said it's not 
completely different. It's not a huge jarring moment, but it, it, like you said, if you pay attention, you're like, oh yeah, that is a nice little subtle change that kind of goes a bit golden age and quite nice. Um, and of course, we're back to the kid who looks more and more like Dennis the Menace. Oh, yeah. every... well, he's got overalls he's on now. Full, like, yeah. full on wearing overalls with a red sweater underneath. <laughs> like a mop of blonde, bright blonde hair with a little flick at the back, no less. He's got the like little tuft that Dennis the Menace has. Is it a conscious decision? Are they doing this on purpose? Because <laughs> I've, I've seen him in other places and he doesn't look like Dennis the Menace so right. much. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a, uh, a, a heartbreaking kind of father-son moment, but in the, in the, it just feels so kind of overwritten at times with the, the amount of thought bubbles that are going on in a single panel and things like that. It could have been a little bit more subtle and, and, and played a little bit closer to the chest, but it's, an, it's a nice little father-son moment nonetheless. We then go on to a fairy tale princess in her fairy tale tower <laughs> and uh of course we're back in latveria and wolverine is sneaking through the castle and uh yeah we, we get some more x-men action we get some kind of nice little acrobatic moments and things like that rogue changes costume once again to something bizarre <laughs> um and uh yeah, we head towards kind of where um, we get Magneto kind of dwelling on everything after we get the kind of storming of Latveria, for want of a better phrase, <laughs> and Magneto kind of comes to terms with whose side he should be on and, and that sort of thing. And is is he an X-Man? Is he not an X-Man? And I really like the kind of Magneto standing up to Doom moment that we get there i honestly don't really care much about the whole psylocke thing because it felt so tacked on um <laughs> i mean in my notes I'm, I'm i'm reading as i'm going through the the pages like i forgot that happened <laughs> <laughs> i just focus on the kind of because i like the magneto bit so much more right. that I feel it, it it pays off so much more than the other the other section with Psylocke coming coming in to the rescue of Kitty and everything like that. Of course then we get Doom as a giant pink face because, right. Which, because why not? if you're reading current X Men, pink Doctor Doom basically looks like Nimrod. Yeah yeah, he does. You're right. They've got very similar facial structures, haven't they? Yeah. And the yeah. whole mount the metal mesh inside the mouth. Yeah, yeah, and the the mesh thing isn't a particularly common Doom trait. It's often just a like a black slot or or something different. Or but that particular one, and you're right, is very Nimrodian to coin a phrase. <laughs> is that a thing? It is um, now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think Magneto gets the kind of star of the show role in these in these later pages or in the middle of the book. We get, of course those guys kind of coming to terms with what they've done and how they should never trust Doctor Doom because that <laughs> should just be a thing. We've made a terrible um, mistake. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that Magneto and Storm kind of go back and forth, I, I really like their kind of interactions and that Storm just 
does not take any crap from no man. She stands up and will kind of, she was there all along kind of right at the very beginning, Wolverine, stop, don't do this. This isn't the right thing to do. And then of course she does, does cave to the kind of X-Men's wishes in the end, but she's kind of the heart and the soul. And she is, like you said, she is so much the leader. It's so clear that she is the leader at this point. And I really, really like what they do with her character with, with, with little lines that she gets, you get a nice clear kind of idea of where she sits in the, in the pantheon of the X-Men. Right. Then we get some really bizarre panels. I love the slapstick where all the machinery starts catching on fire. (laughs) And that's straight Looney Tunes. Yeah, it's it's bizarre where it kind of devolves into this weird kind of... As much as I liked all the uh, stretchiness of Reed Richards, we now get some really weird kind of facial expressions and stretching of various parts. (laughs) So, yeah. Wolverine is carried off. Unceremoniously. Okay. That is the worst panel in the series. I was about to say that. And Rogue has never looked worse. No, she looks like than, than, than an evil witch looked... in Joker makeup. <laughs> and Wolverine looks it like is... a terrible cartoon. Yeah, it is truly bizarre, that panel. I don't know what they were thinking when they thought that was a good idea. Um <laughs> But it, I guess it's a version of the the fastball special. Yeah. I guess. Uh, <laughs> sure. Which is a, which is a classic, as we as you probably know if you've heard me on the show before. I'm a big Colossus fan, um, yes. so it's a shame to not see him teaming up with his little yeah. adamantium infused buddy. But um, well, since his demise, Rogue has been kind of the fastball specialist. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as much as I miss um, Peter, she she kind of works as a rough and ready kind of brawler in right. his in his place that kind of is able to throw Wolverine around the place. Then we get the kind of redeeming moment. Once again, Ben Grimm steals the show and straight up bonks Wolverine. Well, don't don't forget the part where Rogue throws the human torch into a snowbank to extinguish his oh, fire. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. I, I completely ignored the the steaming pile of Johnny Storm and, and psh, that we get. And the steaming pile of crap that is that plot beat. Uh, yeah, yeah. Basically fighting for no reason. I don't really know why they're fighting anymore. They're just like... Hey, maybe it is a bit of a dick, right? Well, Reed Rich is a bit of a dick, right? And then, yep, let's fight. Right. <laughs> um, now, back to your back to your point. After a thing knocked Wolverine out by literally bonking him on the head with a big it bonk. It be a more literal bonk. Yeah. Then he, go, then he gives... He very patronizingly taps Wolverine on the head. and like, sweet dreams, bub. <laughs> Literally pat, pat, pat yeah. on the top of his head. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, like I think Ben Grimm is the star of this series, to be honest. Yeah. He gets he gets the best moments throughout. And then we have just a weird action that feels <laughs> like it should have happened pages ago. And now it's just tacked on. Of like We've had the main conflict and it's all semi-resolved with Magneto kind of blasting Doom away, but of course Doom is never truly defeated, and they kind of could have left it there. I mean, we still got Kitty in 
in turmoil and whatnot, and we've got the conflict between Reed and Doom, but that's kind of, we're back to status quo there kind of thing. And then there's just millions of explosions and really weird art that, like, there are moments where I can't tell what things are yeah. because Sue's power turns everything black and white. And that melts my brain. <laughs> and I don't understand why half the panels are black and white and some of them aren't. And, oh, it is, it's bizarre. Truly bizarre. We do get yet another great moment between Storm and She-Hulk kind of squaring up to each other. And I don't know if this is the digital copy or not, but Storm has a pink bit in her hair for no reason. Yeah, yeah. But Actually, I think it's between her well. hair and the background switches from red to pink for one little slice. Weird, weird. It's, it's strange. <laughs> um, then, of course, we get a, a Reed versus Magneto showdown calling each other mad men. And uh, then, I mean, the real hero, let's be honest, Lockheed shows up <laughs> and uh, saves the day by bringing Franklin back. And he kind of... He has that moment where he reminds everybody. Yeah, he chastises them all. Yeah, he literally comes out and is just like, why are mummy and daddy fighting? Please, everybody can get along. We need to say, go and save Kitty kind of thing. And yeah, then they argue for a few more battles. <laughs> Even after that, we get more kind of grimacing from Doom, who, by the way, is now got a slot for a mouth. I not <laughs> Seemingly not a. Uh, yeah. It looks more like a floppy disk drive than a metal mesh. So what's it called? The little bumps in steel. There's a there's a word for that. Rivets. Rivets. I I just assumed they were all part of the design, but this comic teaches us that every rivet has a purpose. And there's one which that is he's... which is so doom. Yeah. That's like... Yeah. Each one's a button. Like, right, you, yeah. So there's one thing punches for like come up with telescopic vision. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Reed walking through the halls at high school, clutching his book. <laughs> I mean, he's not Inspector. He's not evil Inspector Gadget, but he's basically evil Inspector Gadget. Right. Go, go, Gadget vision. Right. Press the rivet. Go, go, Gadget legs. Press another rivet just above his top <laughs> lip. Like, <laughs> As much he he's a mix between Claw from Inspector Gadget and the Inspector himself, because why not? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And once again, we get the classic dynamic: Reed and Victor just going at each other's throats. There's a full-on kind of red background and and angry thoughts and angry speech balloons and all sorts of stuff. And then, of course, Franklin dives in again and is the mediator. Right. And um, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the issues a whole in a minute. I'll, I'll, I'll carry on with my summary. Um, and they do kind of manage to realize what's going on and, and all that sort of stuff and kind of calm everybody down. And they eventually kind of... Um, Psylocke kind of tries to, I guess, focus and try and help out. Um, if you call hugging and screaming, <laughs> focusing glass. If, yeah, she's yeah. hugging a tube. Yeah, hugging her tube uh, of of Kitty, and and trying to help her out. And it's these weird kind of. Uh, at first, I wasn't sure what was going on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I know what you mean. 
<laughs> I have no idea why this inner conflict is so dramatic. Yeah, it seems so easily resolved. Right. But, but Reed just, Richards is just like... Just man up, dude. <laughs> just, yeah, just do what you need to do. I don't understand. And he's like, Lord, forgive me. I don't know what to do. I can't handle it. I I can't... My brain can't comprehend this difficult... Like, it's an obvious choice. Right. Help. <laughs> Yeah, help help the the person in need. You're a superhero, <laughs> unless you are literally a supervillain all of a sudden. Right. Which I mean would I mean like I mentioned, he does become at times eventually, but he's not there yet. And if he, this feels kind of a bit unearned for the character. It doesn't make sense for him to have this much conflict. And then, we kind of, wrap things up. He kind of comes to term with i guess the doubt that he has in his mind whatever happens reed will always kind of doubt himself he managed to gather his strength or like you said the conflict and the love of his wife and son manages to save kitty's life for some reason Um, (laughs) i don't once again i don't really it's like the weird, like, the power of love is the most powerful thing of all, kind of weird, completely over-the-top, smushy ending. Right. And then they all just hang out celebrating. Yeah. And Doctor Doom's there, just like, yep, yeah, cool, let's have a party, let's hang out. And, and Well, but what does yeah. is, is Sue accuse him of? Uh, <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> Doctor Doom is eat, straight up eating caviar. Right, which, by the way, you can see his his human fleshy mouth through his mask as he's trying to eat the caviar. Oh my god, you can! <laughs> that is so gross. Um, it reminded me. Have you ever um, the robot chicken Star Wars where they do the Bespin scene and they're at the table and Darth Vader's trying to drink and he can't. <laughs> he like keeps exactly. holding the cup up yeah. to his mouth. Yeah. And then he like hands it off to a stormtrooper and they get him a straw. <laughs> Yeah, so um, the kind of big reveal now is that Sue Storm kind of accuses and uh, figures out that Victor Von Doom is in fact behind the whole thing and crafted a forgery. And yeah, basically, Reed Richards should never have been so conflicted. Well, see, that, all right, let's, let's just get this out of the way. That's crap, because this whole story, like all of it, besides the kitty thing, but everything on the Fantastic Four side hinges on the fact that Reed is not sure if he wrote his own damn diary or not. Exactly. That's Which, the whole point. It's one and thing it's, to say, like, oh, my subconscious, maybe I don't remember exactly what I wrote. But he can't even remember if it's really his own diary. Like, he's an idiot <laughs> in this it's, book. It's handwriting. Like... Uh, and I understand, like, being able to forge something, but, like, right. you're aware of what you've... It's not that long ago. I'm saying, right. like, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe. Right. How old's Reed Richards supposed to be here? What, 35? Right. Maybe. Maybe. And and Sue Storm is suddenly just like, hey, I just worked everything out. Right. And And nobody else is kind of, like, clocking on to that. He's too busy <laughs> enjoying his caviar with his gross fleshy mouth um, <laughs> but it's like if you went through my attic I, like I, I, I kept journals in middle school and high school and if you went through my attic and found some 
you can read from pages and I might forget what I wrote on that day. Okay. You're aware. But you can't tell me if I never wrote a journal and you can't say, oh, here's your journal from high school. I'll be like, what journal? Oh, man. When did I do this? What's wrong with me? I don't even know who I am anymore. Exactly. I've never kept a journal or a diary ever in my life. Never never written a page of a diary in my life. Now I have a plan to craft a journal and send it to Jack. And all the stuff he did in his past. I'm pretty aware of the fact that I've never written a diary or journal before. <laughs> I, it's not at the forefront of my mind all the time, but right. whenever anybody asks me, I'm like, yeah, of course I haven't. No, no. Yeah. And they'll all be like, oh, yeah, I did when I was really young, or, oh, I did it when I was at college or when I was at university. Yeah, that's something I I went through a phase where I did this thing, or I had a particularly hard breakup, or I was trying to write this thing for university so i ended up kind of tracking my thoughts or whatever and <laughs> it's a fairly conscious decision to write everything down do you right. know what i mean oh yeah the fact that he's just like no idea yeah no, and this reveal like all right so on the one hand the idea like it's incredibly machiavellian and that fits doom right absolutely but absolutely. it doesn't work the, the the fact that doom did that is the most Victor Von Doom thing yeah. in this whole... The fact that he stood there eating caviar. <laughs> oh, Susan, your, accusations, your accusations wound me. Right, the where's your proof? caviar is really delicious. <laughs> like, Look at my four-string quartet I have over in the corner. He's the best. Which he's he literally best. does, He's the most the operatic, ridiculous villain yeah. in the whole Marvel Universe. And, I mean, the current Secret Wars stuff is the perfect oh, example. So God, good. God Doom is... The best issue seven aside, the perfect series, dec- decadent and amazing, ridiculous villain. I think Marvel has right. in general, and then they're but, just like, well, but this reveal kicks the whole legs out of this whole out from under this yeah, whole story. Yeah, it's such a weird kind of disjointed thing that you said, like you said, kind of undermines the entire thing. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't know how kind of sue kind of works it out i do i knew from the moment they showed us their journal that doom wrote the damn thing (laughs) no but how she works out and no one else does right gonna be my sentence that's true (laughs) sorry i cut you off (laughs) why why everyone else isn't just like wait a second hold on a minute like ben knew reed at that time they've been friends for years they were roommates just like you never kept a journal. What are, you are you really the type to keep a journal? And he's like, I don't think so, but I may have spent six months just writing every day in a book for some reason. Right. It's such a weird kind of thing. And um, yeah, the, the ending just kind of, it's, it's like, yeah, kicks the legs out from under it and the whole thing just kind of collapses. It's like, oh, it totally makes sense that Doom would go such an elaborate and ridiculous scheme to get back at Reed. He's so petty. He's so over the top and ridiculous. It totally makes sense. Yeah. The fact that Reed even has that conflict is the problem. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, we end on a very kind of... WTF <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah. Is, is Franklin about to lose his little Dennis the Menace ghosty virginity? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Careless whispers. (laughs) 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 
where's the saxophone when you need it? Right, especially um, in 1987. Jeez, come Doom, on. Doom's got his string quartet in the corner, right. and Frank's got his obligatory George Michael and saxophone playing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, George Michael and the other guy from Wham. Oh, yeah. No one remembers Nobody that knows the name yeah. of the guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get some angry Wham fans tweeting at us like, I hope so. I hope so. John yeah. Smith from Wham of <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So my other is one so I, I do actually know the name of the guy from Wham. Oh, what is it? Andrew Ridgely is his name. Okay. I know, right? Um <laughs> and he's done from what I can tell, almost nothing since Wham. No, he didn't Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it's this weird kind of moment where it feels like it should be this kind of, oh, it's a real family moment in the Fantastic Six, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Because She-Hulk's still in the costume. So right. she's still... There, there's four people wearing a four on their chest, but you've also got Ben and Franklin there. So it's like, right. sure. Fantastic Five plus the child. And then... <laughs> Five and a he half. goes and he has his first. I mean, is this Franklin's formative years? Is all I'm saying. Right. He has his. It should be like a heartfelt, like, and it's the end of the story, and it's a nice little moment, and they're all happy sitting on the couch together. Would be a bit mushy and stuff, and like I said, we do get some kind of uh, when Franklin kind of interrupts and does his little puppy dog eyes and stuff. It's a bit right. mushy, a bit too oh, much. Speaking of which, that was cringeworthy for me because. This whole series, I feel like Claremont mostly got Franklin okay. Like, he he talked and acted like a kid, but there wasn't any, like, baby talk. But then in this one where he gets between Dr. Doom and Reed, he's like, but Miss Shady Kitty's awfully sick. I'm like, oh my goodness. Exactly. Miss Shady Kitty. Like, I forgot her name. I mean, I saw her ghost boobs, but I don't know what she's called. Oh, God, yeah, yeah it, it pretty... feels it feels so weird and so out of character for Franklin if you know kind of where he ends up right. in the in the Fantastic Four um, later on and and the FF and things like that. But by, by FF, I now mean Future Foundation for those of you who are ah. paying attention to my abbreviations. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> keep up, folks. But yeah, exactly. Keep up with my various FF references. Um, <laughs> and then, Friday. Yeah, I guess he, he guess he has a a little. A wet dream. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and it ends with our wet dream has just begun, and then there we go. <laughs> We've only just begun. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's the weirdest ending to a to like a big crossover event comic. Yeah, well, and they basically end with, well, Kenny's gonna get better. Stay tuned for future issues of Uncanny X Men and or Excalibur. <laughs> exactly. It's a weird, weird ending. Yeah. Though I do really love the panel after. <laughs> There's that panel where Dr. Doom is leaning over Reed's shoulders and he's like rubbing his fingers together and his mask smiles. And then Reed's all like sweating on his forehead on uh, page 27 for you um, guys at home. Okay, right. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, his mask does smile. That's terrifying. Yeah. With with his hands kind of clasped together as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what do you think of the art in this one? Well, first of all, 
What do you think of the cover on number four? Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about the cover for this one. Sorry, yeah, we, right. we totally skipped past that. I think it's the weakest cover. By far, yeah. Of all of them. <laughs> I mean, there's a trend here, folks, if you're paying attention. <laughs> um, I don't really see the point of the cover. It That's not what happens at all. No. But again, it foreshadows Franklin Richards being an incredibly powerful character. Right. And they hint at it, but never once touch on it in the comic. Not at all. He he goes all puppy dog eyes, like you mentioned, which is completely out of character. Because, I mean, he's almost like, um, for those Walking Dead fans out there, he becomes a bit of a Carl Grimes a little bit, where he he's he's a kid, but he's entirely matured because of his circumstances. He's well, doesn't he through age time. at he's, one point and then unaged He's fought back. demons and, yeah, and yeah. travelled in time and is an adult, sort of, technically, and all that sort of stuff. And he goes through some serious, serious, like, traumatic events and all that sort of stuff. And this is kind of a hint at that. And then never, for a second, is never mentioned in the book. Yeah. And, and I gotta so, say, I so... hate quivering, whimpering doom. Yeah. Even when yeah, he's beat, that, he doesn't the, act like that. I mean, um, spoiler warning for a recent issue of the current Secret War series, Doom versus Thanos. Oh my gosh, yeah. that issue was great. What an amazing moment. That was issue eight, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the, late, the latest one. And like I said, spoiler warning, the fact that God Doom... Is the same character as this guy. I can't imagine him. I can't imagine him quivering ever no. to anything. Even when he's beat, says, he's you, you may, you may be God. You may be God Doom, but I am still Thanos. I am the Mad Titan. You have taken everything away from me, but you still fear me. And Doom just goes, "Nope." There's your heart. You're dead. In like a split second, kills one of the most iconic Marvel villains of all right. time without even blinking, I assume, mm. because you can't see his eyes under that mask. Right. Um, and you can't under this mask here. Oh yeah. You can see all kinds his of weird, little scared eyes. Under this yeah. mask. <laughs> Terrified <laughs> eyes and fleshy mouths and <laughs> that sort of stuff. And yeah, something again, I, I did mention, um, we open with very sexy, 14-year-old Kitty Pride. At least her face looks a little younger in this one. But there's, like, full-on cleavage, Jason. Yes, yes, you're right. And yes. it's, like, it's almost like, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of the video game Bayonetta. No. Um, she's a demon killer, and her she has magical hair. She's kind of like Medusa. Okay. In that her hair is separate from her and is, like, a is almost a demon in itself, I think. I haven't played it in a long time. But she is naked, but she uses her hair to like create a, a like a leotard superhero oh. style outfit thing. Kind of like silk in her spider web suit. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Good good example. And we get this kind of like you said, it's just too titillating and tantalizing <laughs> with Kitty, like just the little wisps just covering her rude bits and like really? Right. Couldn't you just have a shot from the neck up? Do we, do we need that little cleavage shot and stuff? Like, that's completely unnecessary. You just have her face be slightly lower in the panel. Or and just, then... you know, she's dissipating. Just make her a floating head. Yeah. That puts her in more peril from, anyway. Her body's her, leaving, you know? like Apart from her 14-year-old boobs right on the first page. Because... <laughs> 
me saying that out loud is terrifying and creepy. Yes, and, and probably just got this episode trouble. flagged. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> iTunes will not let you publish this, Jason. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, between 14-year-old boobs and you talking about a six-year-old having wet dreams. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Welcome to my world. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's basically Star Wars, isn't it? It's Star Wars Episode One. <laughs> It's it's an annoying little kid. It is. This is Anakin. Oh my goodness. An angel. Um, <laughs> to quote Jake Lloyd, um, "Are you an angel?" Um, oh, I, I, yeah. Let's not talk about that. Um, I'm gonna grow up and stick you with my lightsaber. <laughs> You're gonna have my babies. Uh, which is a terrifying thing for a nine-year-old child to say to anyone. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, and and I, I I like that it's called a matter of faith, but I don't really know why. Uh, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> All the other titles kind of make sense, right? I mean, are you sure is a questionable title to start off with, <laughs> right. but it's a solid issue, and it kind of it does raise the questions, and like you said, kind of starts the conflict. I mean, is is the faith here the restoration of faith between the team members of the Fantastic Four? Is it just having faith that Kitty will be all right in yeah. the end? Yeah, sure. Is it having faith that Reed Richards is not such a bad guy after all, and it's actually <laughs> Doctor Doom that's the dick? <laughs> uh, wh- where are you coming from? This that could be. It could be all of those things. It could be none of those things. Right. Who knows? Is it faith that we completely fell off the wheels on the art in this book, <laughs> and the story, and everything else? Yeah. It's all just kind of a bit mental. So, yeah, let's talk about the art a little bit. Oh, my goodness. This is not good. I mean... It's, it, it went from pretty good to okay to average, and this issue is just terrible. There's a couple of decent panels, but overall, there's so many bad, ugly panels, so many terrible Sue, faces. Sue Storm looks like Rogue did that we just mentioned in that previous terrible panel. Right, but almost every weird, panel like, there. smeared clown makeup lipstick thing right then we get the most dennis the menace puppy dog eyed looking little franklin richards which he doesn't look like that for the rest of the book he just suddenly gets these big blue eyes out of nowhere yeah he's had like small kind of normal eyes and then he suddenly gets these huge like anime style eyes his outfit goes from being half black and half red to like seven eighths red with like a stripe of black for no reason, and then back to having the logo, and sometimes the logo's coloured in, sometimes it's not. What? Who knows? <laughs> and and there's I, I like the shot of um, the Fantastic Four plane arching high above the curve of the world. Is such a great line. It's so <laughs> so Claremontian. It is. Uh, that, that's the way he describes the blackbird almost every time they flew in the eighties. Exactly. Yeah. Every time you see the blackbird, it's arching high above the curve of the world. <laughs> so good, so good. And uh, I mean, we get some okay kind of action scenes and stuff, but I really do hate it when people do a backflip and the artist shows them one quarter of the way through the backflip, then halfway through the backflip, then three quarters of the way through the backflip, then landing all in one panel. Oh, and the ghost the, action? The ghost action thing, eh, yeah. I don't mind that too bad. But it feels really weird in this issue because they're not ghost. It's not ghosty at all, right? And, mm. and um, is it long shot? I'm, I'm, well, I'm, there's nothing good about long shot, so I know, I know. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the the flip that he does is just like 
he pulls up such a weird pose. Oh, yes, that's pretty good. When Rogue kind of throws him backwards. And what? Why did? Why does Rogue look like Kid Flash? Yeah, I don't know. When, when did that happen? She's got a green is, one. Is, of that, is that a thing I'm missing? Like you know a lot more about this area of X Men than I do. Is that is that a thing? No, I mean is, maybe in fan fiction she went and smooched with Wally West, but because it starts off, it's green. It's a green top, like a, a lime green top with a black circle and a white lightning, lightning strike through the yeah. middle. Brown leggings and kind of white boots and dark green gloves. The next page, it's entirely yellow for the whole page, not just one panel. It's not a mistake on one panel. The entire thing is like a yellow April O'Neil jumpsuit with green gloves and white boots, completely different to the previous thing. <laughs> and then let's just ignore that. And then it's just yellow for the rest of the thing. I mean, we were talking about the, the horrendous panel on 18, page 18, where she looks like a weird Joker thing. Yeah. And then the page after that, it's back to being lime green again. Really? Mine never goes yellow. Really? What? Are you reading from a physical book? or? I'm not. I'm reading a digital copy. Huh, that's interesting. No, I have no um, yellow. So on page 11, page is, 11. it's where she, she grabs... Actually, in the, in the physical copy, that's the richest the green ever gets. Yeah, that, that's green and really nice. Okay, then, yeah, yeah. All right. And then page 12, she her... Costume. This is stupid. Will be a waste of our time. Is completely yellow with green gloves. Really? Okay. Yeah. No, it's still I'll send, green you, I'll and send brown. you some screenshots. I'll send yeah. you some screenshots. We'll, we'll compare. I'm, I'm looking at the comicsology version, and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> and her hair is oh, it's black and white. Yeah, that that part without, is true. Without the red. Yeah, it's a skunk. Yeah. She's a polecat, as she would say in Mississippi. Ugh. That yeah, there polecat done it's... ran up the tree. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on with the with the art in this issue. No, it's, it's all over the place. There's creepy smiles from Doom where metal should not be moving. There's mm. all sorts of weird stuff going on. Yeah, Susan Alien in one page. <laughs> it's, it's pretty terrible. And the story um, is not necessarily terrible, but I won't lie. It got to the point by this issue with all of this dialogue. This issue's so wordy. There's several pages that I just kind of skimmed and said, okay, I get the gist of it. Jack will talk about Thanks. it. Thanks, Claremont. <laughs> We've had enough. Right. I mean, there, there, you know, there, there's gaps in my notes. Like, uh, I, I knew this was my issue. I had to do issue two and issue four with full kind of plot notes. And I, I kind of just gave up after yeah. a little while. And I was like... Well, I guess this happens, but I don't really know why. And there's a few panels that just don't make any sense. They just yeah. sudden, suddenly happen. And like you said, it's given a load of weight, even though the events don't actually seem that dramatic. There's an obvious clear choice. And <laughs> right. the whole thing of, I don't know if I did or I didn't, doesn't make any sense. Not at all. So why is it so weighted in in drama and consequence it, it's it's bizarre it's bizarre yeah. yeah there there are two things literally only two things i like about this issue there's <laughs> the lockheed franklin bit which i loved yep clear highlight yep. the other part was like that, i said lockheed improves anything he shows up in. yes so, very true therefore best panel 
The other part I really like is there are one exactly 100 times more sound effects in this issue than the previous there, three combined. There are a lot of sound effects. <laughs> I'm I'm very happy with Bonk. Yeah, Bonk is fantastic. And even Shukush. stuff that doesn't make sound, they put a sound effect so you know what happened. Like Fizz and Sis and Vidal <laughs> and Crash and Skaboom. Yeah. Um, I'm literally flicking through as. Okay, as so I'm my favorite through. is when so so at one point uh, Rogue uh, steals a Human Torch's powers. So we have a, a Human Torch with basically an ass and boobs flying around. Um, and then uh, Invisible Woman envelops her with the invisible force field to cut off the oxygen supply so she flames off and we get a snuff sound effect <laughs> which is not really a sound they're just letting you know that we snuffed out the flame a, a, a foof, I yeah it's like a yeah a <laughs> snuff and then a zang yeah and then a crash <laughs> perfect um i do also have, going back to for that particular panel where Rogue, Rogue is oh. flying around, and she's hand hand jazz handings her uh, boobies. Exactly, so you yeah. don't see jazz him. handing in front of the privates because yeah. you know it, the the uh, flames burn off all her clothes because that's how it happens. Um, because she's a female character and that's the rules. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna I'm shouting out to Mister Odzkowski again. I was about to do the same thing. I'll let you do it Which, though. When she's upside down, her speech is upside down. Yes. And her thought bubble of uh-oh is upside down. And it's Yes, it's genius. really cool. It's so such a cool little touch. It's a terrible moment. That doesn't make any yes. sense. <laughs> <laughs> but the lettering is a somewhat slight redemption to that moment, I would say. Right. Well, I also really love the lettering with Lockheed's um, quote-unquote dialogue. How the letters kind of bend and and twist and roar and yeah. snort and it's really cool. Stuff. Yeah, I, I think definitely. he he did the best job on this series of all the other creators. No, all over had pretty good colors too. Good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, okay, well, it's that time. Oh, oh, can we guess? When are you gonna grade Fantastic <laughs> Four versus the X Men number four? Oh, I wonder, Jason. What could that be? <laughs> It's uh We're so I guess it's I guess it's the middle claw. It's one claw. <laughs> it's the middle one. Because that the, this book gave us the middle claw. Exactly. It's like, oh yeah, yeah you want to read this? Claw. You shouldn't have had that drink before you started because you're gonna fall asleep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm also gonna conclude this series with one out of six claws. Unfortunately, there was nothing for us to butt heads over, but. I hope we I hope we were entertaining enough in our agreement that people still like exactly. the episode. Exactly. So. You don't have to have disagreement to enjoy the show. Right. Right. <laughs> right. We can still talk about some terrible, weird moments in comics. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. So closing thoughts. Anything you wanna add? Any takeaways? Going, going into this, this is not what I expected. It is no. kind of my my overall like resounding thought really i wasn't sure what to expect i had never read this series before we first spoke about it jason and no, i was, I I was aware either. that it existed because i had heard of it in reference when avengers versus x-men happened 
and they were like, oh, there was a similar, like, it was in one of those five previous times these characters have fought and you didn't know about it kind of things that, that various websites do. Right. And and there was like, here's this Fantastic Four conflict and here's some X-Men characters. And I was like, this looks very 80s. I wonder if this is an 80s book. And I never thought much of it. And then you mentioned it. I was like, I... I recognise that from somewhere, and I managed to, like I said, find it online um, and download it. And I was like, "Huh, yeah, this is not what I expected." I didn't realise it was going to centre around Reed Richards and his diary. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a more like, I was honestly expecting more Avengers versus X Men kind of thing, where it's a fundamental kind of ideological disagreement more than right. anything else. And then we just get like, yeah, it's uh, it's all about his diary and Victor Von Doom's a real, a real nasty piece of work. Yeah. But then they all hang out at the end because why not? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, it's definitely, you know, it's funny talking about the covers. How Wolverine's prominent on, oh yeah, all yeah. four covers, and he does have a lot to do in the book. But like you said, this I is guess. really. Reed versus Victor with a backdrop of the X-Men. Absolutely, yeah. You really could have no X-Men in this like, book. Like and, it, Kitty's, and it'd be the same story. Yeah, Kitty's you, um, phasing problem is just kind of a MacGuffin. You could have any other character. Like, any other character. You could have a ghost character. Right. And be like, oh, I'm fading. I'm, oh, no, we must save this ghost character or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Kitty Pride. And you could just have Kitty Pride and not the rest of the X-Men. Right. You could literally just have, like, the X-Men summon Reed Richards to help them out. And that would be the end of it. Yep. So, overall... um, it's just one of those things that it started off fine and just continually went downhill. And it's it's the, unfortunate. It's the perfect correlation of as the series went on, it got worse. Yeah. Issue 1 got 4. Issue 3 got 3. <laughs> no, Issue 2 got 3. Issue 3 got 2. Issue 4 got 1. Yep. It's a perfect, as the numbers went up, the scale <laughs> went down. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jack, thank you so much for, for coming on and doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, it's a pleasure as always, my friend. Yeah, so why don't you plug whatever you got going on? Which I thank think you very much. most of our listeners and know, but just in case. So let's... Absolutely, yeah. Um, Intercomics podcast is the place to be to talk about non-Wolverine comics, <laughs> if you are interested in those. If you're not a diehard like Jason. Um, <laughs> we have had Jason on the show previously as well, and yeah. we will be looking to have him on again in 2016. So we've got a lot of guests coming up in 2016 as well. I've been uh, sending my emails around after our recent convention adventures yeah so i'm really excited of, about that lots of guests yeah. coming up and uh people returning uh this week's episode um we had me and cool beer man who is fantastic he runs house of flying scalpels if you're aware of that comic book blog out there listeners uh he's a great guy we run our own website intercomicspodcast.com i say we run it matt pretty much runs it <laughs> um me and dan and a couple of other guys contribute uh reviews to it throughout yeah. The uh, and and you've been getting involved as well, Jason. Yeah, you, been uh, doing you're my making extraordinary... crossovers uh, yeah. with your, your loyalties being tested between the two shows. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're all friends, of course. I consider us a family. Exa- oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're brothers in podcasting. I feel. Right. 
um so yeah um you've been writing some stuff for the website as well you've come on our show um we've had a fair few crossovers i'm sure your listeners are probably aware of my co-hosts dan and matt as well um you can follow all the podcast uh, stuff we do panels of the day we do reviews of weekly comics uh, all of our show notes and archives of all our previous episodes we are slightly behind you so we're on episode 118 at the moment uh, as of recording um which just posted moments before we started this show so <laughs> that gives you that's breaking the fourth wall and letting you yeah. guys know <laughs> and also let all the listeners know how long it takes me to edit this because they can exactly. say 118 exactly. and now they're on one blah 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 so it took x weeks (laughs) happy valentine's day listeners (laughs) no it won't be that long (laughs) um so yeah episode 118 um me and cool we're going to do our end of year special as well we're going to try and get some uh, other guests on as well if we're going to try and get you on as well jason yes hopefully we can make the schedule work absolutely yeah yeah only potential hurdle but i'm hoping to get on there (laughs) Absolutely, we'll try and get you on. Um, we're also doing our end of year highlights in website form as well, which, which you are definitely a part of. Yes. Um, on dot com, we're going to be doing picks from all of our writers, contributors, hosts of the show, and everything like that. Uh, combine them all together, and we even have a overall winner for comic series of the year, where we will basically tally up everybody's top three, check the highest scoring one out of everybody and that will be our kind of overarching overall winner of the year of I'm really curious to see what that is whether it's something that y'all have talked about all year or whether like there's a dark horse that slips in yeah because based on um, other votes the, yeah the the way the point system works it could either be something gets off to us like a resounding lead from the first few people that do it and and that kind of sets the tone for everyone else kind of thing if it, if it hits a couple of people's top spots then it'll win pretty much like w- without a doubt but then you could have something if we, if we all pick completely different things apart from one book that appears in like the third spot in the top three and everybody's right then it's it's unanimously the best which i found fascinating like my series of the year last year was not miss marvel even though we picked it as our overall book of the year because i felt it was the most sort of culturally important right. and sort of timely and relevant book of the year and it's so well written and so beautifully drawn it it, it really fit well with it felt like the year of kamala khan really and her kind of coming coming out party to the world i don't know if we'll see that again this year i genuinely have no idea what's going to (laughs) happen um we're picking writers we're picking artists individual issues miniseries or trades all sorts of stuff and yeah yeah that's our sort of usual end of year shenanigans that we have over intercomics podcast you can follow us on twitter at intercomics pod if you want to do that um keep up like i said with all of our panels of the day and stuff like that which is something dan does and is a, a lot of fun if you want to just get little weird little snippets of comics you'd forgotten about and stuff like that you can follow me directly on twitter at jlw chambers that is my initials i have a very posh sounding name <laughs> I'm not. I'm not posh. I promise. <laughs> I may sound well spoken compared to all these uh, Yankee Doodles around right. here. But um, <laughs> so if you're not posh, what Spice Girl are you? I, I'm. I'm my girlfriend's ginger. So okay. <laughs> I guess I'm. 
I guess I'd be baby. Why not? Um, <laughs> I'm usually pretty clean shaven. So okay, so after your thought bubble cosplay, now I want to see you in the baby Spice costume. It's it's me and the Intercomics crew is the Spice Girls. Yeah, <laughs> my girlfriend is Ginger. No, Dan would have to be baby because he's the baby faced of the oh, three true. of us. True. Yeah, he is. I guess I'm posh then. Shit. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm not skinny enough, but I guess I'm I'm there anyway. Matt's clearly a scary spine, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, just because, and uh, yeah, coming to a convention soon near you. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, follow us on Twitter. Check out our podcast. Um, like I said, we'll have plenty of crossovers coming up with Jason in the in the new year as well. We're growing and expanding both of our shows and i think that includes a lot of collaborations and and crossovers and stuff like that hopefully better crossovers than fantastic four and x-men <laughs> hey i enjoyed uh discussing it so exactly that's it was, what you it was fun to call, talk yeah. about which, right. in the same way that secret wars was an absolute mess but right. quite fun to talk about <laughs> cool well Bye. um for us the podcast that goes snicked please um like the facebook page uh if you want to be one of the, the two or three people that send emails, it's snickcast at yahoo.com. Uh, Twitter is at snickcast, and show notes can be found on snickcast.podbean.com. Um, I don't know when I'm going to put this out, so I don't know what will be next. So again, Jack, just thank you so much for coming on. It's thank always you for really having fun. me, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye. You want to say bye? Say bye. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> snacked. Snack. <laughs> you got it in. <laughs> That's how you, cl- you need to close the show with a snack. <laughs> I cannot ask for a more perfect closing. <laughs>